Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, the Irish National Stud has developed an international reputation for quality, which is underpinned by a unique business model. Their CEO, Cahal Beal, joins us now to take us behind the scenes. Cahal, before we discuss the Irish National Stud, I'd like to hear about your Wexford roots. Yeah, Wexford born and reared. I was, I was, I was reared on Tony Kehoe on a, on a Sunday morning there at 10 o'clock playing the, <laughs> playing the hits, the country music hits, and my father and mother would be great fans of the show and Lots of the, the, the Alan Corcorans and all the great shows on South East Radio. And of course, your great self as well, Carl, we should mention as well. But uh, no, we're living up in Kildare now for the last 15 years. But we're originally from John Street. Uh, Tony and, and Liz would be my, my parents there, Tony Beale and, and, and Liz Beale. And went to school in St. Peter's and uh, primary school in the CBS. So yeah, no, a long, long history of uh, coming back to Wexford. And it's lovely, actually, to come back to Wexford with, with our young family uh, and to spend time with all the all the family down in down down in Wexford town. And I know that your early ambitions, Cahill, were to pursue a career in journalism. So how did horses steer you away from this particular path? Yeah, sort of uh, very much an accidental stud farmer, I think. Um, so I started off, uh, you know, I went to college and did English and history uh, with the view very much of sport was always my you know great love. And my my father was always a great sports enthusiast. It was always on in the in uh, on the telly at home, and you know racing was a passing interest. But it was really sport, and I suppose I you know with the view of becoming either a teacher or a journalist uh, in in when I went to college. But uh, when I left college, I, I actually got a job working for Paddy Power, the bookmaker, and I worked in the audio there, uh, doing the sort of broadcast to the shop and. That that gave me a, a real interest in in the racing and the greyhounds and I suppose all other sports and you know an interest in betting as well at the time, but I suppose I started uh, you know thinking of a career further down the line in journalism that I was a bit of a I, I suppose I I felt a little bit of a fraud in that I was giving out about a ride a certain jockey might have given when I hadn't sat on a horse or hadn't done much with them myself so. It was more of a means to an end that I started working with horses to to be a better journalist, you know, more so than to end up managing a stud. So provide us with an insight, Cahill, into the Irish National Stud. So the stud itself primarily deals in in stallions. So, you know, people will send us their mares to our stallions. We'll charge them a fee and hopefully get their mare in foal and they produce, you know, a, a, a good foal or a good yearling that they can sell or that they can race and, and hopefully, you know, get their improve their mare. And that's the fundamental aspect of the business. But we also have then a bloodstock side where we breed our own mares to these stallions and to outside stallions too. So we have 40 of our own mares and we sell foals and, and yearlings out of them and we race the occasional one in partnership and in syndication with, with a group of people as well. And over time then, it, the, the stud sort of developed further into education. So that's the, the, the stud course that I mentioned has been operating for 50 years and has trained over 1,400 people worldwide into stud management, into bloodstock, into the, the thoroughbred sector. And then, of course, we have a, a you know a large and growing tourism operation as well. So it's a it's a well visited um, site, and you know 137,000 people in 2019, you know before the dreaded COVID came along, you know, and we've we've been making huge strides on on that side of the business as well. So. A lot of things going on and uh, all very enjoyable, I must say. And what's the ownership structure of the National Stud? So the Stud was set up as a company 
1946 and the shareholder is essentially, you know, we're under the aegis of the Department of Agriculture, but the shareholder is the Department of Finance on behalf of the people of Ireland. So, um, you know, it's, it's a slight misnomer that, you know, people assume that we receive state funding as a result of that. It's actually run as what we call a commercial semi-state. So it's run very much as the business. It's a, it's a DAC as any other. Um, there's profit, there's loss, there's cost control. We have to generate all of our own revenue. Um, and, and, and that suits us just fine. You know, we're in a very competitive landscape, both in the stallion business and in the tourism business. And what programme do you bring mayors through once you take charge of them? Well, I suppose it's, it's, it's always an individual process. You know, the, the general gist is that, that mayors would arrive with us for the, for the breeding season, which is really, because we're all romantics, it begins on, on Valentine's Day on the, on the 14th of February uh, <laughs> and, and goes all the way through until June. But essentially mayors will fold down from January until, until June um, and once they fold and the fall is healthy, you know, we'll try to get them back in full. Mayor's gestation is 11 months. So you have a relatively short window to get them, you know, back pregnant and healthy and, and carrying a foal so that they can produce, you know, the idea, the ideal would be that they would produce a foal pretty much every year uh, in the springtime. So each, each mayor is an individual, depending on whether they have a foal at foot or whether they're due to foal in January or June. It all depends on what's going on with them and their, and their physical makeup, whether they have any little niggling injuries and that sort of stuff. So it's very much mayor by mayor, case by case, client by client. With the fact that the National Stud now has a great reputation internationally, did you ever consider opening international outlets? Yeah, good. it's, it's a good question. I suppose we, we would do a lot of you know, consultation, a lot of um, sitting on various industry fora that are, you know, both national and international and, and offering our advice. So we've had a lot of delegations from various countries, you know, looking to replicate something similar to our education program, in particular, the, the breeding course. So there's, you know, similar iterations of that now in, in Australia, uh, in Japan, um, in America, um, you know, the, the, the same idea has been replicated throughout the world. So certainly from an, from an education perspective, um, yeah, we've, we've, I suppose our, our success has, has gone on to stimulate other people to do something similar in other parts of the world. But apart from that, I'm just thinking from the perspective of, let's say, those that want a mayor covered in any part of Asia indeed, instead of them having to transport their mayor over to Ireland, instead, if the Irish National Stud had a location there underground, would it be an opportunity to be able to grow the business? Well, I suppose there's two answers to that one. One is we, we do something akin to that. So a lot of our stallions would historically shuttle to the Southern Hemisphere, uh, to Australia or to New Zealand to service mares on Southern Hemisphere time. So the, the Southern Hemisphere breeding season would run from August until Christmas. So you could have a very busy stallion who could cover uh, a, a book, a full book of mares in the Northern Hemisphere fly to Australia and then cover a book of mares in the Southern Hemispheres. The one issue with, with, with sort of going, you know, sending a stallion, you, you, you can send a stallion, but you can't actually AI artificial inseminate in, in the thoroughbred sector. So everything has to be done au natural. That's the, that's the one stipulation to enter the thoroughbred club, to be registered as a thoroughbred foal. You have to, the, the mare has to have conceived naturally. Uh, there's no artificial insemination. So, it's really, we can only bring the stallion to the population. We can't really bring the semen to the population, if you know what I mean. 
What type of an impact did the COVID pandemic have on the stud? Certainly in relation to our tourism business, um, you know, it, it's been catastrophic really for, for visitor attractions, for hospitality, as it has been, you know, well, well trodden and everybody realises that. Luckily, on the sort of agriculture, you know, the bloodstock side of it, you know, it was pretty much business as usual. You know, there was a lot more restrictions, a lot less interaction. You know, normally a guy might bring a mare to a, to a stallion and you could have a chat and a cup of tea and, you know, have a, have, a, have a bit of hospitality waiting for them. But that all changed, obviously, during COVID. And, you know, there was no transfer of paperwork. There were masks. There were, there were serious restrictions put in place. But in terms of the day-to-day working of the farm, you know, because we're so used in our industry to biosecurity measures, it really didn't have, you know, a massive impact on us. We'd normally, we would pretty much head down all the way from, you know, January until June anyway. So uh, it it, it didn't have a, a massive effect on us during the breeding season, but it certainly had an impact on demand at the yearling sales in the back end of the year, especially where yearling sales were being upset by, you know, people couldn't come into Ireland to buy stock. And especially for yearlings, they have to be able to see that stock on the ground. So it had a, it had a big impact on the market. But luckily, the market seems to have um, seems to have picked back up again this year. And so far, so good on, on, on the selling side of things with the sales that have taken place so far in 2021. And Kyle, finally, on the topic of innovation, in June of this year, you embraced the virtual world by launching a virtual race course experience. How does that work? Yeah, it's, uh, I suppose, the iteration of it, it began as an idea to create a museum. We have a museum here and have had for quite a long time and we wanted to upgrade it. But, you know, the process started maybe five or six years ago. And as I said, the original idea was a museum, but it, it, it sort of developed into a more interactive experience and something that people could feel and touch and see as opposed to, you know, paintings and, and, and stuff on a wall. So we got working with our development team and, you know, with support from Foyle Charlotte as well to create something completely unique, which is basically the Irish racehorse experience where you walk in, you're, you purchase a foal at the sales and we show you how to do all this. You name your horse, you decide uh, how it's going to be trained and all of those things add up into an algorithm which dictates where you finish in a race, where you ride that racehorse against your pals or the people going through the experience with you. And the idea, obviously, is to try and win the race. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Cahill Beale, the CEO of the Irish National Stud. And I'd like to thank Cahill for joining me on this morning's show. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Southeast.